Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanick with Figured Out Baseball. Got a really good Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. We're being joined on the podcast by John Merck. He is the head assistant coach and recruiting coordinator at Immaculata University, a Division three school in southeast Pennsylvania in a little town that actually named Immaculata. Uh, I'll give you a quick background on Coach Merck before we jump into questions with him. Uh, he played collegiately at Camden County College uh, and then Penn State Abington. He began his coaching career in the spring of 2013, where he was the pitching coach at Camden County College. He was the pitching coach there for two years before being elevated to be the head assistant coach and recruiting coordinator. So overall, he was an assistant coach at Camden County, a JUCO in Blackwood, New Jersey from 2013 to 2016. His first season there, 2013, the team won the conference championship and finished 38-7 and overall. He then moved on. Uh, to be the head coach at Camden County. Uh, he was the head coach there from 2017 and 2018. In his two seasons, he compiled a 58-41 and 41 overall record. The 2017 team broke the school record for home runs on offense and strikeouts on the mound. The 2018 team set the school record for strikeouts again on the mound. Then in January of 2019, he accepted the pitching coach position at Stockton University, a Division III school in Galloway, New Jersey. Um, he spent one season there, and then from the spring of 2020 until the present, he has been at Immaculata as the head assistant coach, recruiting coordinator. He's in charge of all the team's defense, coaches third base. Um, and then 2021, his first full season there, the team had a really good season overall. They finished 20-7 and seven overall. They had more walks than strikeouts on offense. The team finished top three in the Atlantic East Conference in most offensive categories. They set the school record for extra base hits per game and runs per game, which is the name of the game on offense. It's all about scoring runs. Uh, Coach Merck, appreciate you being on the podcast with us today. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So I typically like to start with something from the bio that stands out, Coach. And for you, um, I want to go back to your days at, at junior college. I know you played junior college baseball. Uh, you coached junior college baseball for quite a while, and and I think uh, you're in Pennsylvania now. Maybe it's a little bit different in southeast Pennsylvania, but I'm located in central Pennsylvania where junior college um, is not really considered by a lot of guys. There just there aren't a lot of junior colleges in this in the state or even in the region. There uh, there are even fewer junior colleges that junior colleges that offer scholarships. Most of the JUCOs around here. Uh, at least around again around my area are Division three. They offer no scholarships. They're not uh, exactly what you might call baseball powerhouses, top to bottom. Um, but I want to talk to you about your junior college experience, just to give people that are listening to this um, a better idea of what junior college baseball can do for you, what the level is really like, what the experiences are there as a player and as a coach. Uh, so, would you mind talking a little bit just about your experiences uh, at Camden County College, both as a player and as a coach? And, and how you sort of relate those experiences now uh, to kids. I mean, sometimes you, I know as four-year college coaches, sometimes you do talk with players and say, hey, you know, we're full or, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have a spot this year, but I think you'd be a good junior college player for this reason. So would you mind just talking about your experience a little bit, both as a player and as a coach at the junior college level? Sure, absolutely. Well, I know in Pennsylvania, at least on the southeastern side, there is a ton of talent in the junior college realm. Uh, both Lackawanna Community College, Northampton Community College, Bucks County Community College all have built their programs and they've become, you know, somewhat of powerhouses, both at Division three and Division two level. And then on the side, I was in New Jersey in Region 19, and the Garden State Athletic Conference is, in my mind, the best junior college D3 baseball region there is. Um, as far as, you know, junior college and what it can do for players, man, I know recruiting has changed a ton, even just in the last 10 years. But for guys that aren't sure exactly how they fit at the four-year level or guys that maybe have some financial difficulties, for guys that maybe need to continue to develop, develop their skill sets, it's a great place to start. You have a 90-day fall. You're allowed a ton of competition. You're allowed a ton of time to work with players as coaches. You know, and then you go into your spring season, you have 56 games. You're playing almost every single day against great competition, especially here in the Northeast. There's a ton of talent. 
That's why you see numerous guys get drafted out of Region 19 every year. It's really a great place to start your baseball career. Um, you know, I, I think most guys that come into junior college have this stereotype against them that, oh, well, they're not good enough to play at the four-year level. That's absolutely incorrect. I've coached a ton of guys over the years that could walk right into four-year schools as freshmen and would start on those teams, but junior college allowed them to really get to where they wanted to at the end of the day. They just took a little two-year stepping stone, as they say. Um, you know, one thing about Region 19 and junior college in the Northeast is there's a ton of schools in the Northeast when it comes to four-year schools, but they're all loading up these 40-man rosters. Junior college lets guys play for two years, get some numbers under them, and then when it comes down time to it, their, their sophomore year in junior college, everybody wants JUCO guys because they have a proven track record. It's not like a guy coming out of high school. We don't know his coaches who they've been playing against. They put up all these different numbers and stats you know, about their high school teams. Well, guess what? Junior college is really relatable for four-year schools. They can look at this and go, okay, man, this guy died 400 this year against all that competition. This guy's a player. This guy's a guy that has the ability to come right in and, you know, make an impact in my program immediately. Um, and then on the academic side, listen, we all know how hard it is for guys when they first walk into college. They're not sure sometimes what they want to major in or, they think they know what they want to major in, and then they realize, oh, boy, this isn't exactly what I thought. Well, junior college allows you know some flexibility for guys to figure out their academic path as well. I love that. All those things you pointed out, I think, are, are huge benefits of junior college. Uh, people that listen to this podcast enough know that I'm a big junior college advocate. Um, I, I got an opportunity to coach at a couple of junior colleges. If I could go back and do it again as a player, I would go to junior college. Um you know, if any of my kids end up playing sports in college, I, I'm going to encourage them to go to junior college and, and for a lot of different reasons. You know, one of the things you didn't mention also is that it's it's a it's a lot cheaper usually to go to a junior college for two years than it is to go straight to a four year. So you save yourself a bunch of money. You have a chance to, uh, I think, a better chance to play as an underclassman. Not that there's not competition, but because you don't walk into a situation where you have incumbent juniors and seniors who have been starting for the last two or three years. You know, there's there's so much obviously so much more junior so much more turnover in junior college because you only have freshmen and sophomores that there are a lot more jobs to be won and you still have to go win it, you still have to win playing time, but you walk into a lot more open jobs, you know, at junior college than you do at a four year school. So so many benefits to that, uh certainly from the player from the playing and the uh the coaching side of things. <clears throat> um can you tell us about your experience as a coach at that level? Uh for guys that you know, maybe let's listen to this that are interested in the junior college route uh, as a coach, you know, just maybe a way to break into uh, to coaching college. What were what were some differences, if any, you know, that you can think of at this time that were, you know, different differences from coaching the junior college level to coaching at the division three level? Sure. Well, I would certainly recommend any young coach that wants to get involved in college coaching to start at the junior college level. For starters, it teaches you how to manage and how to basically adapt to having usually a very small budget, a very small roster size. Your facilities typically, I'm not saying this for all junior college, but facilities typically aren't there. So you learn how to recruit and you learn how to win your own area, um, whether it's your county or a certain part of the region. You learn how to really dive in as a coach and learn how to recruit. Um, I would say that's probably been the biggest learning curve for me. When I first started, I had no idea how to go out and get guys. Um, you know, but it gave me a little bit smaller target market, I guess you could say. I was looking for guys that were all within, you know, 30, 40 minutes of the school that I coached at. And it really taught me how to go after guys, find the right guys that fit our program, find that maybe the diamonds in the rough that didn't get seen and you got to experience a ton of different backgrounds, whether it was guys that came from, you know, maybe lower income families, maybe guys that struggled academically, maybe guys that were those diamonds in the roughs. Those are all things that you learn as a coach. And then as you progress and move forward, you realize, okay, man, if I could do it with the little budget and the little resources that I have, and once I get some resources, 
man, things are going to be real easy for me. Um, it, you know, we, we look at guys all the time that are, you know, starting off their college coaching careers as volunteers somewhere, and maybe they're at a, a big D1 school. There's a ton of opportunity and resources that they have to help assist them, but I'm a big believer in perseverance. When you have little to work with, you're going to learn how to be flexible and adapt and overcome all the obstacles and hurdles you have as opposed to maybe having things. I won't say handed to them, but it certainly is easier for guys once they realize, oh, man, who wouldn't want to come to a school that has a 110,000-seat stadium next to our baseball stadium? Um, you know, junior college, you don't have that luxury. You have to be able to be creative and maybe think outside the box, and that's what really taught me to start my coaching career. Um, then as far as once I became a head coach, man, there's a lot of things you have to manage and put on your plate. You know, there was, it's not just baseball anymore. I had to learn how to make the most out of my small budget when it came to scheduling and transportation, even simple things like equipment. You find ways to get creative and, you know, coaches, we all hate this naughty word, fundraising, but you learn how to fundraise too. You learn how to promote your program. Social media made that really, really accelerate for me. Uh, I was big on social media when I took over as the head coach at Camden County. I use social media as a platform to help promote myself and my program, my players. And, you know, there's a lot of great things I learned from my time in junior college. That's all really good stuff. And, and at the junior college level, there's no uh, there's no limit to the number of coaches that are on the staff. And usually, in my opinion, you have more of an opportunity to coach uh, something at, at junior college. A lot of junior college programs have, you know, big, not all of them, but a lot of them have bigger rosters. Um, you know, you, you don't have any limit on the number of guys that can go recruit. So you're right. If you're a young coach that's looking to get into uh, to college coaching or – maybe you are a volunteer somewhere and you want to go somewhere where you have more responsibility. Junior college is a great place to do it for all those reasons that you mentioned. Um, I had a lot of fun at that level and, and it might be the, my favorite level that I, that I've been to. Um, one, one more, just to, you know, kind of an aside, I guess on the coaching side of things and an opportunity to do some coaching, you have to coach at junior college because you only have, freshmen and sophomores again. Again, going back to the four-year school, I just had a podcast last week with a, a four-year coach, and he's a great coach, uh, and they do coach their guys when they need to, but he told me the difference between this year's team and last year's team. Last year's team, they had like 16 seniors, and he's like, I didn't have to do a lot of coaching. The, co- the team kind of coached itself. Like, you never have that at junior college because you always have, you always have a ton of freshmen, and you've got to do a lot of coaching, so you have to be you, you have to coach. You have to figure out how to coach these guys up. You have to figure out how to get production out of your freshmen and, and not just uh, let them kind of coast through their first year, which you can get away with at a four-year school. So I don't know if that was your experience as well, but uh, that, that was something I certainly experienced. Oh, well, absolutely. The one thing, you know, going back to young coaches, another thing you're going to learn to deal with is the constant turnover battle. You know, by the time you develop a guy, you know, after his freshman year, you start to see that player become what you're hoping he can become. You're shipping him off the very next year. Whereas at the four-year level, you have that time to continue to develop. By their sophomore year, a lot of times you're starting to see the fruits of your labor, the fruits of their labor of all the time they've put in. Whereas at the junior college level, and it, that was probably the one most disheartening piece for me was, there were so many guys. It's like, man, they finally got it. They're finally where I, 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 I'm happy, and they're they're figuring it out. And next thing I know, I'm shipping them off somewhere else. Um, <laughs> but from the coaching side, I think that was a great reward. Is you get to be around your guys so often and get to really see them flourish so quickly. But on the downside, yeah, they're you only have them for two years. You're constantly having turnover, and from a development standpoint. Listen, like you said, freshmen have to be able to come in right away and realize, oh, man, I don't have the luxury of sitting back and watching other guys in front of me for a year and learning how they do it. I'm going to get thrown right into the fire, um, which I actually think is a great you know, point to emphasize for guys is if you are a freshman and want to play right away, guess what? You are going to play at 
every single day if you win that job. And if you don't win that job, guess what? You're going up against somebody that's only within a year or so of you. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to junior college, and I definitely feel that guys have a great opportunity to really showcase what they become in a quick fashion. I want to jump a little bit to um, to recruiting, which you've been a recruiting coordinator at a couple different spots, yes. um, and I know it's different recruiting four-year and two-year, but you have the experience overall. What I'd like to ask you first, Coach Merck, is about the recruiting calendar at the Division three level, and, and I want to ask this because I think a lot of the listeners to our podcasts are you know, people that are involved with high school players, whether it's it's a high school player or or a family or um, you know high school coaches or travel coaches at the, at the high school level, high school age range, and, and of course they want to help their players and they want to give them accurate information, right? Um, so let's talk a little bit about the recruiting calendar and and when when recruiting happens at the Division three level, as far as you know, a high school player during during what grades. Are you starting to get a hold of guys, and and how late does recruiting go? Because I think that um, social media has ha, has created a, a severe misperception on when recruiting happens, and I'd like to just kind of straighten it out without putting words in your mouth, I, or or like you know telling you before we get into it. Uh, I'd like to like just have you answer that question: When does recruiting happen at Division three? When does it kind of begin? You know, what years in, in, in high school and when does it end? When will you typically sign your last guy? I know that the 2020 season was weird because of COVID, um, but but you obviously got you got this year uh, a full year under your belt. Um, when does it typically happen for you? What's the recruiting calendar look like for you guys? Well, the easiest answer is recruiting never stops, per se. Um, but... Typically for Division Three, what I found the most successful route is start talking to the guys the spring season of their junior year. Um, we start looking at guys then, trying to get an idea of building our list and are you know put finding guys that we think are going to flourish and be guys that can come right in and make an impact in our program based upon what they're doing their junior season in high school. Um, the summer of their junior year going into their senior year, that's when we really start getting out on the road, taking a look at guys, whether it be showcases and tournaments. Um, that's usually when we'll start making that initial contact with guys, start inviting them to campus schedule and visits for the fall, try to get guys up in the fall, show them kind of what our facilities look like, what a daily life as a college student looks like. But by the end of the fall, we try to have a bulk of our commits done by, I would say, December. However, that's not always the case. Um, each program's a little different on how they do things. There's been times where we're getting guys their spring of their senior year even. Maybe they're guys that we missed out on. Maybe they're guys that, you know, thought they had some offers on the table that just didn't work out for them. Um, and then there's also the junior college side, whereas junior college guys were recruiting – all the way up until the end of their sophomore year in junior college. Uh, so, like I said, the answer really is recruiting never stops, per se. Uh, we've even signed guys as late as, you know, June, July, maybe even early August, based upon, you know, the circumstances. 2020 was certainly a strange year. It kind of log jammed some things on some ends, and on other ends it really opened up some doors for some guys to be seen by maybe some schools that, you know, might not have had the opportunity to get at, out and see them. Um, but I would say for most guys in high school, the fall of your senior year is when you should be taking most of your visits and trying to figure out, you know, your decision process. This podcast today is brought to you by Crossover Symmetry. If you want to build cannon arms that stay in top condition all year, check out armcare.com. Developed by Crossover Symmetry, armcare.com measures players' arm strength and range of motion and delivers customized prep, strength, and recovery training based off each player's wellness scores, strength needs, throwing workloads, and fatigue. It gives you the tools to keep your players at their peak all season. So check out the team packages on armcare.com and gain a competitive advantage in player development. Your players will be healthier, throw harder, 
and win when it counts. Um, with the Division Three, with the re- Division Three recruiting calendar, I-, I wanted to talk about it because I think that there is legitimate panic when families get to senior year or after the senior year, you know, the summer after senior year, and they're not committed anywhere, and and families just think that there there's no opportunity. You know, the parents um, and the players alike, I, I think, think that all their opportunities are gone, and they're just they're really not going to have a chance to find, especially a, a decent program to play in. Uh, but but I'm, I'm glad that you talked about that because I think it's important for people to hear that, you know, you'll still you'll still bring a guy in if he's uncommitted summer after senior year and you see him. Uh, you know, I know as a junior college coach for me, I was always trying to find those guys. I was always trying to find a guy that for whatever reason was a late bloomer or maybe, you know, maybe just really kind of took off his senior year or maybe he was hurt during his junior year and didn't really get the looks that he should have gotten or you know, whatever it is, obviously now you have guys that are, uh, that commit to different schools and then senior year comes around and, and they decommit for whatever reason. And they're still out there. Like there's any number of reasons why, why guys still become available or they are still available during their senior year of high school. And I think at the junior college and division three levels in particular, there are still opportunities, um, really up until pretty much you have, you have a deadline, obviously before you have to have guys that, that are enrolled in school by a certain time, but I mean, really, up until that deadline, it's it's kind of uh, there really isn't a time to to stop and where you totally move on from a class until you know it is physically too late to get them into school. Absolutely, uh, listen. Everybody's circumstances are different. At the end of the day, um, even in this current you know freshman class that we have at Immaculata, two of our guys were what I guess you can say late commits. We got them in the summer after they've already graduated from high school. They were guys that. You know, we're still searching for a home. We had the opportunity to go out and see him during the summer and said, man, this guy, he's a guy people have missing on. Um, so, you know, recruiting never stops at the end of the day. There's always somewhere for everybody. You just have to believe in yourself as a player and know that it will work out for you. It will work out. There's a place for everybody. You just got to continue, you know, the grind and make sure that you're doing everything you can to be seen. Speaking of those freshmen, I, I would like to ask you a little bit about the experience of freshmen when they get on campus um, to try to help prepare, you know, players. Again, we, we kind of like to focus on who our audience is and, and if there are people that are listening to this who have, you know, who whether it's a player, parent, or the coach of, if you, ha- if you're, if you have, you know, future college baseball players uh, within an arm's length of you, we want to try to help to put some tools in your hand to help you prepare them. Coach Merck, what are some typical things that that freshmen run into in the fall of freshman year that you think are the most surprising things for them or the things that are the hardest, the biggest adjustments that they have to make when they get to campus? Uh, if, if you had a couple things uh, that you could point to, what would those be that you think, again, that freshmen have the hardest time sort of adjusting to and, and they need to adjust to this one, the, these particular things before they, they really sort of hit their stride? Sure. The biggest thing that comes to my mind is routine. Uh, that's something that we really stress to all of our guys, regardless of what year they are, but it's most pertinent when it comes to freshmen. Um, you walk in, you know, the first day, doors open in the fall and life's a lot different than it is in high school for guys you know it's not okay well I'm in classes from this time to this time and then after school's over I go to practice and then after practice I go home and do my homework and then after that maybe I go lift or go hit or whatever it may be in college guys have this misunderstanding of what free time actually is and how much there is of it um you know, you might only have one class on a given day. So what are you doing with your time and what is your routine like each day? You know, we really try to give guys some flexibility the first couple of weeks of school to build their own routines, whether it's, hey, maybe we should try lifting in the morning, then go to class. Maybe it's go to class, come back, study after class, and then I'll go to the field for early work. You know, we let guys kind of play with their routines a little bit, figure out what works for them for, you know, for myself, when I was a player, the biggest struggle I always had was, well, how do I manage in doing my classwork on top of getting all my workouts, my lifts in, 
And I was a big guy when it came to doing my schoolwork in the morning. That's maybe not the usual for some guys. A lot of guys like to do their schoolwork at night. But for me, it was wake up in the morning, go to class, come home from class, do my schoolwork right then and there. Then the rest of the day, it's all focused on baseball. And just for freshmen, my biggest advice is figure out what works for you based upon your schedule each day. Uh, try to build a, you know, a routine that works for you. Don't try to do what necessarily works for somebody else. Um, that's the one great thing about college is it gives you that flexibility to kind of be your, yourself and your own individual and figure out, hey, this works for me. I'm going to keep down this path. Hey, this isn't working for me. You know what? Let me try something different. Um, and then when it comes to the actual game of baseball, I just think the speed of the game is the biggest adjustment for guys. Um, when you talk about going to college, we talk about it all the time as coaches. We tell every recruit, hey, you're now going to be playing with the best guys from each of their high schools. Well, guess what? Those best guys can play the game at a very quick, fast pace. You're going to have to learn how to catch up. These guys that are juniors, seniors, they're big, strong guys. They're going to be able to move. They're going to be able to get down the baselines a little bit. They're going to be able to hit balls pretty far. The speed of the game happens a lot faster in college. And just that, you know, I guess you could say growing pains for freshmen is, oh, man, I just can't do a four-step pattern every time I feel the ground ball. I'm going to have to get rid of it with a two-step pattern. Or at the plate, guess what? I'm not going to have the luxury just to sit back and get fed fastballs. I'm going to have to learn how to make adjustments pretty early in, in bats and, you know, get my earn my fastball. Um, so those are some of the big adjustments that I see with guys coming in, you know, as freshmen. Do you find that a lot of freshmen need to have a conversation? Well, coaches need to have a conversation with freshmen about priorities. And I don't mean their priorities in the wrong place, but I just mean basically to get done everything that needs to get done because you know you're they're they're away from home for the first time for the most part um you know it's easy to get caught up in sort of the social aspect of college but if you're going to be a college athlete you've got practice you've got weights obviously you have class you have more homework you know I don't know if your experience was this way but mine certainly was I I had more much, much more homework, study time, and reading in college than I ever had in high school. So, like, that was a big adjustment for me uh, was just the amount of time that I was going to have to put in to get every, all you know all my assignments done. Do you guys find that you have to have that conversation with either the freshman as a whole or individually a lot, just sort of keeping your priorities straight and, and focus, you know, getting your top priorities done first? You know, get your work done first, you know, focus first on – Obviously, you go to class, you get your baseball done, like you kind of suggested. You get your homework done early, get all that stuff done. Then you have some time to socialize. But if you wait, if you if you let you if you screw your priorities up or, or you turn things around, then you're going to end up finding yourself in a hole. Is that a conversation you have to have with a lot of guys? Do you find? Uh, I would say at the junior college level, I had that conversation quite often. Uh, at the four year level, I think there is one major difference when you know you're talking about junior college compared to the four levels they already have some of that expectation walking through the door um it's a maturity thing or maybe it's just simply the environment that's been created by you know some of your upper class um but i would say it goes more on an individual basis you know you talk to guys maybe not so much that their problems like you said aren't in order it's hey what do i really need to focus on what what is part of my game when it comes to baseball what do I really need to continue to, to focus on and develop and when it comes to just you know the overall atmosphere of college hey is this what's really important to me right now or is this something that you know I can put on the back burner because there's goals and you know that we have to meet as a baseball player or a college athlete right now um like I said, I think it goes more based upon the individual and what their needs are. I don't ever try to, you know, just put everybody in one basket, but there's certainly different conversations that you need to be had with guys in all years, whether you're a freshman or even your senior, you know, with all, our senior class, there's a lot of guys that, Hey, how much time have we spent looking at whether it's grad schools or starting to focus on, Hey, what are you going to do after baseball? What are what kind of jobs are we going to be going after with the degree that you're going to get? Um, so your priorities change, but 
like I said, I try to do everything on an individual basis. I want to go back to you, what you said about the speed of the game changing. Um, can you just talk about that in a little more detail? I think that's something that most people hear at some point, but I don't know that people, I mean, you talked about it a little bit, but can you maybe expand on it a little bit just to give people that are listening to this, what exactly does that mean? Because I, I think what people tend to hear is that every time you move up a level, this the game speeds up, whether that's going from high school to college, you know, college to pro ball. And even in pro ball, they say that, you know, I never got an opportunity to play pro ball, but they, they'll, you hear from people there that the speed of the game changes from, uh, you know, from low A to high A, high A to double A to triple A to the big leagues, like the speed of the game changes. What does that mean for you as a coach um, when you when you talk about that? And I, I'll ask that again, just to give people an idea what that means and maybe start to give them a plan of how to, uh, how to prepare for that, if it's possible. Sure. Well, the speed of the game certainly changes, I think, for the most obvious reasons. Guys are bigger, stronger, and faster each level you go. Um, as guys continue to mature physically, everything's going to happen faster. Um, but then from the side of you know what I call baseball IQ side, there's a lot more that's involved. And the game, the time in between pitches doesn't change drastically from high school to college, from college to pro ball. But there's so much more thought process that has to happen between every single pitch, whether it's you're a hitter, you know, in high school, it's a pretty simple plan for most guys. It's go up there, hit strikes, take balls. Well, in college, now we're trying to expand on that. We're trying to talk about, okay, what's my zone? What pitch am I trying to hit? Once you get to that pro level, it gets expanded even further. From a defensive side, there's so many more things that maybe are a focal point or so many more things that happen. You know, I look at a lot of college baseball programs at my level. Everybody's trying to take that extra, you know, free 90 feet, as I say. A free 90 how do I prevent that from happening if I'm a middle infielder? How can I make sure that I'm in this position or I'm doing this after every single pitch where if this situation happens, there's so many more thought processes that have to happen in a short you know, period of time. You only have about 10 seconds, 15 seconds between each pitch, and you, your mind just racing so much faster now. As guys get comfortable and get in that routine of, okay, this is what my pre-pitch focus is, now it makes things easier. But as freshmen, a lot of times guys are still learning, okay, what am I looking for? What do I have to be thinking about? Um, so I think that's part of the speed of the game. And then, like I said, when guys are bigger, faster, stronger, it makes things happen a lot quicker. Ground balls get to you a lot quicker. Fly balls are hit at a much higher exit velocity. Pitchers are throwing a lot harder. Things happen a lot quicker for guys. Um, as far as preparing for that, be diligent in, in your you know, practice routines about trying to implement all the things that we're talking about. If I'm a shortstop in high school, don't just be focused on, all right, well, if a ball's hit to me, what am I doing? Think about all the different scenarios that happen outside of that. You know, if a ball's not hit to me or if it's hit in this manner, even if it is to me, what am I doing with the baseball compared to just a routine ground ball? Um, so I just think the thought process is what really speeds guys up a lot of times. You said it. not only the physical game speeds up, but the mental game needs oh. to be better, and and you need to be just a, a lot more prepared mentally from pitch to pitch. Yeah. Like if for me, from my experience, if uh, whether it's your team or the or the opposition, if one of the teams is not prepared mentally and the game is going too fast for them, like teams get embarrassed and, and guys oh, get embarrassed. You get eaten alive if you are not prepared. Right, and whether it's you know whether it's an offense that is just that's that's just taking it to the defense by you know by by stealing bases by you know with a delayed steal with with drag and push bunts that defenses aren't prepared for with first and third offensive plays like those can be really thoroughly embarrassing if a team can run uh, first and third offensive plays and, and the defense just doesn't know what to do about it and. Uh, you know, both guys end up being safe. One run scores. The other guy ends up on second base. They, they didn't get an out. You know, those are the kind of things that can happen. And obviously a lot of that is on the coaching staff. But even for the players, it's so much more important as you go up levels to, to you know, give yourself a plan, but, you know, pitch to pitch, especially like as an outfield, former outfield coach, 
you know, we spent a lot of time talking to outfielders about thinking pitch to pitch and, and situation to situation as guys get on base. Where am I going to throw the ball if it's hit to me? If it's hit right in front of me, where am I going? If it's hit in the gap, where am I going? And just in knowing that ahead of time, because that's how teams are going to take extra bases from you as well, is if you're throwing to the wrong bases and you're not prepared for, for different situations to come up. And again, a lot of that is on the coaching staff, but, but I think as a player, when you're coming in for your first fall in college, if you're not prepared to think the game as you're trying to win a job in the fall, you're going to find yourself totally overwhelmed by just, just what you, we've been talking about, the speed of the game. Uh, and you're going to find yourself probably behind uh, where you should be based on your talents because you're not ready to play the game at this level, at this speed, and kind of keep up with it, right? Baseball is one of those games that maybe looks boring to people, but when you really – that's for people that don't know the game. When you really know the game, there's so much happening from pitch to pitch, and, and it is truly a, you know a chess match, whether you're talking about managers, head coaches, uh, and, and their moves, or even like what's happening on the player side of things, like a pitcher that can think the game is going to dominate a hitter who – you know, is re, is re, is a lot more reactive as opposed to having an approach and a plan going to the plate. So those are the kind of things that I I'm so I'm glad you brought those up because I think those are all really important points to touch on for guys. Yeah, I, listen, most guys that come into college already know how to field a ground ball. They all know how to you know have a decent swing and hit a fastball. Is how do you expand? How what separates you from the guy that's standing next to you or the guy that's on the other side over there in the other dugout? What is it that you can do differently? Everyone has similar skill sets at the end of the day. You know, there's very few guys that you go, oh, man, he's just not good enough to play college baseball. It's the mental side of things. How much more prepared is he? And from a coaching side, we always talk about pressure. How good offensive teams always seem like they're constantly applying pressure. Well, how do I defend that pressure? If I can't mentally prepare myself to understand all the different intricacies to the game of what this offense is trying to do each between each pitch, then I'm going to find myself in a position where we're going to be in a lot of trouble today. Um, so as much as we talk about the physical development and the skill set side, I think the mental side of the game is something that, you know, is, I guess you could say, a lost point when it comes to high school development. Everybody's so concerned today about metrics, exit velos, and, you know, arm strength. Well, guess what? Those are all great things, but everybody in college seems to have, you know, good metrics. What is it that separates you from the guy on the other side that you can do a little bit better? And that's usually preparation. Really, really good points. Um, so let's kind of take that to maybe another level. What's some advice that you would give to a high school senior who, who is committed, uh, graduated, and they have a couple months between the end of high school season and when they show up to campus. You know, my, I have some experience of guys that once they committed, they, they almost put it in cruise control, and they came in a little bit worse than when you saw them last, and that's a good way to bury yourself real quick. Uh, but what's, what's some advice that you would give to a senior who is – you know, who's who's prepared to go on, on campus. He knows where he's going, not worried about committing anymore, but now it's time to prepare to compete the day you set foot on campus. The first day your team's going to have practice, you're ready to compete. Show them what you can do and try to win yourself a job and, and show this team how you can help them win. What's some advice that you would give to that player um, just to be as prepared as possible when they set foot on campus? Well, the first one I think is pretty easy. It's talk to your coaching staff. You know, before you get step on campus, have an idea about what your practices are going to be like. If you haven't already seen maybe a team practice at the place you've committed, have an idea of what practices are going to be like. What are the coaches looking for for you to be knowledgeable about the second you walk through the door? And then the next thing is make sure that that summer leading into your, you know, freshman year in college, hey, it's not, like you said, it's not cruise control time. It's what can I do to elevate my game skill? There's always things that we can do as baseball players to continue to develop. Even if our skill set, we feel is where it needs to be. Hey, what is it that I can do differently? What is it that I can do better from a mental side of things? Um, 
you know, I tell a lot of guys, you know, when they come on campus, one of the first questions I ask them is, how often do you watch baseball? And, you know, a lot of guys talk about, oh, yeah, you know, I watch the my local team or my favorite team on MLB or ESPN. Listen, that's great. You're watching the game. Okay. What have you learned from those games? What have you learned? What, what things are you picking up when you watch the game of baseball? Um, you know, baseball IQ is something I, I don't want to say it's a lost art. There's certainly guys out there that still buy into the baseball IQ side of things. But as coaches, that's something that usually stands out right away for us is, hey, this guy has a great feel and understanding of what he's supposed to be doing. And then, like you said, there's other guys that come in and, yeah, maybe physically they did enough to keep themselves in shape, their skill set and their actions, you know, physically or where they need to be. But this guy mentally is not where he needs to be yet. Um, he doesn't understand the game and, you know, he's still playing the game like it's a high school baseball game. And there's a significant dif- difference in college. Um, I don't want to say it's all derived around small ball. Um, that's kind of what I was brought up on when I was playing and when I first started coaching. The game has certainly evolved a little bit, you know, in the past couple of years. You're starting to see, you know, a little bit bigger point of emphasis on, you know, the power side and home runs. Uh, you're seeing a little bit bigger emphasis on, you know, velocity from pitchers and, you know, pitch design and things like that. But end of the day, all those will get thrown out the window if you're not mentally prepared when you walk through the door. If you don't have a good understanding of what guys are trying to do, whether it's, you know, if you're a pitcher, you're facing hitters. You understand that this guy right now with a runner on second base is just trying to advance the runner. Okay, well then let's not throw him outside. Let's bust them in so he can advance that runner. Um, just little intricacies of the game can take you a long way in being prepared when you walk through the doors. I want to move to talk about academics a little bit, Coach. Um, there are a lot of student athletes out there who understand that they're not going to play professionally and that they, you know, they they want the college baseball experience. They want to play as long as they can, but they understand the academics and the degree are, are as important or more important than anything else uh, when they're in college. Can we talk a little bit just about the type of academic help that is available for student athletes once they, once they get on campus? And again, this is kind of directed toward people who, um, you know, either a future student athlete or, or parent of in particular that might have some concerns academically with how their kid is going to do it, how their kid is going to survive it, and whether or not they'll get help if they need it. Can you just talk about the places, the colleges that you've worked at um, and the academic help that is available for student athletes who, who need it? Sure. Well, for one, Almost every program I've ever been a part of has study hall hours, whether it's, you know, organized through the athletic department or it's organized through that coach directly. Study halls are almost a certain when it comes to college baseball. Um, all of our guys at Immaculata currently have to, you know, go into study hall for at least two hours a week as freshmen or transfers. Um, if they're below a certain GPA, they have to still – attend study hall hours after that till their GPA is what we feel it needs to be. Um, but on top of that, you have, you know, your resource centers, uh, writing centers. You're going to have academic and athletic liaisons that can help you, you know, communicate with professors. It might not necessarily be an instance where, okay, a guy's struggling, you know, with the workload. It might be maybe he's struggling with the time management with this class. Well, go talk with an academic athletic liaison and they can maybe, you know, be that bridge to communication with the professor. Um, you know, a lot of times professors are willing to work with student athletes when it comes to, you know, struggles in the classroom or time management, just simply that comfortability factor of a student athlete who's, in, you know, in his first semester of college, they might not feel comfortable approaching a professor. Um, so having a liaison that can kind of help bridge that gap a little bit is certainly a beneficial resource. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, another one that I think gets forgotten about a lot of times is your own teammates. A lot of guys have been through it already. You know, those upperclassmen, utilize them as a resource as well. There's a lot of guys that might have the same major as you. They've already taken that similar class that you're taking right now. Talk to them. Hey, What's the best way for me to, you know, try to prepare for these tests or this paper? 
Um, teammates, a lot of times, can be a great resource for players. And that's one of the beautiful things about college athletics is you already have that, you know, social group and you already have that academic group in a sense um, as soon as you step through the door. So utilize your teammates as well. You know, most programs, it's a family atmosphere. So guys want to help each other. That last part um, for a good college program is such an important part of a college baseball program and probably, you know, athletic, any, any athletic program is the family type of atmosphere. Um, that'll maybe lead me into maybe a couple questions, one or two, maybe two or three questions left at the most here, coach, before we uh, wrap this up. Of all the things we've talked about, it's obvious that, that you really like your job, you enjoy it, you've been doing it for quite a while now. Um, what do you what do you like about college coaching? If someone who was one of your players graduating said to you, hey, I'm thinking about college coaching, what do you think? What what are your thoughts on it? What what would you say? Like, what are some of the things that you enjoy the most about your job? Well, you know, I know we talked a little bit previously, uh, you know, about how my route's a little bit different than you know maybe some other college coaches, but watching my players, you know, grow as individuals and over time is really what's most rewarding. Um, watching a guy from like you said the day they step foot on a college campus to what they become once they, you know, walk out those doors. First off, they know that just because they walk out those doors maybe for the last time, that doesn't mean that, you know, they're no longer part of the family. They are always part of the family. There's still players that I talk to on a weekly basis that, you know, played for me almost 10 years ago now. Um, so that family part is a huge piece of why I love to do what I do. Um, another great, you know, thing that's, you know, rewarding when it comes to college coaching is just, the excitement of doing something every day that you show up at the park. You know, I know a lot of guys that, you know, they get their degrees. They're not sure what job they're going to get or what they want to do yet still, even with that degree. And they go find a job. And then, you know, months go by and they go, man, it's just <laughs> work life isn't, isn't what it's all made up to be, man. I always talked about how I can't wait for school to be over and suddenly paying bills isn't as exciting as I thought it'd be coach. Um, so the college side of things, it never feels like a job at the end of the day. It feels like, you know, you're just a, a, another kid again. Just instead of playing baseball, you're getting to watch other guys play baseball. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how excited I am every single day that I step foot on campus and get to be around a group of guys that have the same common goal as I do. Um, you know, they have the same common core beliefs that, you know, we're going to achieve something great together and, you know, we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. So I think that's probably the best part about being a collegiate coach is you're just around a ton of guys with the same goal that all want to have fun doing it. And, you know, they know that they're part of this family now forever. Coach, what's something that you wish that more people knew about you if there was, if there's anything? You know, I know sometimes in the college coaching profession, you, you wear the hat of a coach all the time. And your, you know, your coaching colleagues and your players know you as a coach, and, and they probably know you as a dad. You have some, you know, little kids. I'm sure that are around the field from time to time. Um, but what's is is there anything about yourself that you that you wish more people knew, or that you, you know, that you, or maybe even something that you try to uh, make sure people know about you once you develop a relationship with them and get to know them pretty well? Is there anything that you'd like to just, you know, people people that are going to know John Merck are going to should know this about you? I don't know if there's anything specifically about me, but, you know, one of my former mentors had one of the greatest lines I've ever heard, and it was, players don't care what you know until they know that you care. And that's something that I, I've really been a big believer in, um, you know, in the past couple of years being a collegiate coach is players have to know that, you know what, it's more than just baseball. They need to know that I care about them off the field, whether it's their job, whether it's, you know, things that are going on with their friends or their girlfriend. They need to know that we care about them, and that's something I want people to always know about me is, man, I don't just care how many home runs or how many strikeouts you can, you know, have. I care about you as an individual and you as a person and what happens in your life. And, you know, it just really goes back to the relationship side of things with players is, 
there's so much more. This is a game. It only lasts for so long. Everybody has, you know, a time when baseball is going to be over with. Um, but, you know, I just hope that all players know that, hey, man, if you're going to come play for me and spend all this time and work your butt off for me for four years, that guess what? I'm going to work my butt off for you for 40 years. If you ever need anything, I'm always there for you. That's awesome. Coach, last thing that I want to ask you is just what the future looks like for you. Um, if you had to project, if you had to, to guess or, or even, you know, you've thought about where you're going to be in 10 years, where, where would you, where would be your best guess that you'd be in 10 years? Well, Jeff, before the podcast started, I know we talked briefly about, you know, how I took that different route to coaching and, you know, in the very short term, it's going to be getting my college degree. That's been a, an important uh, piece of my life that I haven't quite accomplished yet, but it, it should be done this spring. And uh, my hope is with that college degree, it's going to help springboard my career. And hopefully I'll be, you know, a head coach of a NCAA affiliated program and, you know, being able to instill all these values that I've talked about during this podcast with all the, you know, future players that I have the pleasure of coaching. Um, that's really been my goal from, you know, the start is just being able to be a great mentor to guys and be able to win a lot of baseball games, of course, but, you know, being able to see all the guys that I build relationships with over the years turn into whatever their dreams are, um, whether it's, you know, for some guys, it's the opportunity to maybe win a conference championship. If that's important to you, then let's do that. If it's, hey, I want to get married, have a wife and kids, man, I'm going to help you prepare to do that as well. Um, it's to get a great job, then I'm going to help you do that. Um, and really, at the end of the day, where I see myself is just being a head coach somewhere that you know I have the opportunity to follow through on that with everybody. This has been a really good podcast. This is John Merck, everybody. He's the head assistant coach and recruiting coordinator at Immaculata University, a Division three school in Pennsylvania. This has been a very, very enjoyable podcast. If you're interested in other podcasts, you can find Figured Out Baseball podcasts on the website at figuredoutbaseball.com, as well as on other platforms. We now have content on YouTube, both video and podcasts. And we also have our podcasts on uh, several other podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, and more. So if you haven't checked out other Figured Out Baseball content, I hope that you will take a chance to do so. I believe it's a really good resource, you know, regardless of where you are in the baseball world. But hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast. I know it's been very enjoyable for me, Coach, getting to know you a little bit and to be able to ask you these questions. And, and I want to just thank you personally for all the things you've shared and, and for taking the time to be with us today. Of course, it's my pleasure, Jeff, anytime.